TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. We will do our best to make this a November to remember. It's nice to be back in the Score North airwaves. This is the Scoop Podcast. It is episode 263. For proper reasons, baseball playoff games took priority the last handful of Friday nights, so I've been still doing the podcast. It's only been available, though, in podcast form. In this particular instance, with this episode, 263, it first debuts here on 1500 AM, Score North. Bear with me. I've got a bunch of crutches. I am battling a cold. I don't know. Maybe it's payback after I ate all the kids' candy this morning and late last night. It was a fun Halloween in the West Metro for the Wolfson boys. But yeah, Papa Wolfson enjoyed a bunch of candy last night into today. So this must be payback. So I've got some good crutches. I've got David Thorpe from True Hoop, longtime NBA skills trainer. He's been on this podcast before. We'll get his thoughts on the Towns Embiid brouhaha from Wednesday, the fallout, his overall thoughts on the Wolves, and some other NBA topics. D'Angelo Russell by the way, has been a train wreck for the Warriors. Look at his plus minus. And I know that plus minus doesn't tell the whole story. In fact, it oftentimes doesn't tell much of a story. But D'Angelo Russell is off to a slow start for the Warriors. I know it's a matter of when, not if. It might be next summer. It might be a year from February. But the Wolves are going to engage the Warriors in trade talks to try and acquire D'Angelo Russell. Watch it. The Wolves' interest in Russell is still there, coming off their pursuit of him over the summer. So we'll get to David Thorpe, and we will begin with with Brian Lawton, NHL network analyst. He was in the mix. He interviewed for the Wild general manager job. He's got some thoughts on the Wild's abysmal start 4-9 and nine through 13 games. 20 of the Wild's first 30 games on the road. And on the road so far, 1-8. and eight. Can they hit rock bottom? Should they hit rock bottom? Should we plan on the Wild finding a path to having a top 3, top 4, top 5 pick come June? Can they do that with all the veterans they have? How would they do that? Is that even possible? Can you lose games? It's not like Bruce Boudreaux is trying to lose games. Players aren't trying to lose games. So do they have too much talent to truly hit rock bottom? So we'll get Brian Lawton's thoughts coming up in just a bit. One shameless plug, Scoop Podcast episode 262 was recorded on Wednesday afternoon. I had Cole Aldrich, the pride of Bloomington Jefferson, former Kansas Jayhawk. His number 45 hangs in the rafters at Allen Fieldhouse. He played in the NBA for eight years for six teams including the Timberwolves. He played in China last year, so you think about the China NBA situation. So he's got all sorts of insights. So he was in studio for like 65 minutes for Scoop Podcast episode 262. So wherever you get your podcast, if you have an interest in hearing Cole Aldrich spin some basketball stories, one of the great players of the last couple decades in Minnesota high school basketball history, then I'm telling you. I mean, great career at Kansas, won a national championship, then made the most of being able to be a journeyman in the NBA. And yeah, I mean, he told a bunch of good stories. So if you're interested in that, that's available. Scoop Podcast episode 262. All right, without further ado, let's get to Brian Lawton, NHL Network Analyst. Brian, I guess what stands out as you evaluate the Wilds' first 13 games, four wins, nine losses, tied for the what worst record in the Western Conference, you know, the abysmal record on the road, one and eight. You look at the schedule, 20 of the first 30 games on the road. They do have the home game tomorrow against St. Louis, but then they hit the road for four consecutive games. I guess just what stands out as you evaluate the wild through these first 13 games well the toughest thing when you when you look at what's going on for their team is the ridiculous schedule 
obviously not very advantageous to start on the road as much as they have been. You know, more than anything, this, this team is better than the record. How much better is yet to be seen, but uh, for me, it's really all about the schedule, and I'm not quite sure why it was planned the way it's planned. You generally don't see that from a team in the Northern Hemisphere. A lot of times you'll see the Southern teams plan to be on the road early because they battle a lot of other entertainment options. That's not the case here in Minnesota, so very strange. I mean, what's that dialogue like? I mean, like, take us back to your days as general manager of Tampa. I mean, how much by-play is there between a team's front office, team's ownership group, and the league office about how to how to set up a schedule? Uh, there's a ton. That's why it's, it's somewhat unexplainable, I guess. Uh, we did the schedule, or my office did the schedule in Tampa, and, you know, it's really not that hard to do. You have to submit a certain amount of days and you're allowed to block off certain days. If you don't want to start at home at the beginning of the year, you can pretty much pick your schedule. It's not 100%, but you have a lot of control in how you guide it by the dates you give and the dates you don't give. All right, on the idea that the Wild will play better, but I guess the part of the equation of, of how much better, I mean, I guess, Brian, what, what is their ceiling this year in your opinion? Wow, I mean, for them to be, what, five games under 500 at this stage uh, is significantly below their, their level of play. They've, they've just got too many good players for to for that to stay that way for an entire season. So I'm not worried about that. The problem is you put yourself behind the eight ball, and now you got to get things going fast. Uh, we did see an incredible feat last year with St. Louis who was literally dead last in January in the entire league, and they win the Stanley Cup. But that's more of an anomaly than the norm, that's for sure. Typically, if you haven't righted the ship, certainly by American Thanksgiving, uh, it gets really hard to make the playoffs if you're not showing that you're that type of of team. So it's going to be a tall task for the Wild. But again, um, you know, it's just a combination of a lot of guys have not played up to their abilities. It's not like they have a completely unproven team. I know they have some younger guys they're trying to work in. I think the majority of those guys will be fine. It's the veterans, you know, and with the exception of Matt Zuccarello, it's really difficult to explain. Matt Zuccarello, you have to give him a little bit of a break. He comes to a new team, a new coach, and everything else. It's the other veteran guys that have been here that know what to expect that has been kind of shocking. 45 goals given up through 13 games. I mean, you think about the strength of this wild team. I mean, don't you really look at the the four defensemen, the top four defensemen, and say, okay, they have four pretty darn good defensemen, if not stud defensemen. You like the goalie enough. I mean, does that surprise you that they've given up 45 goals already through 13 games? It does surprise me. When you sit down and you look at their team, it, it is clear that their top four D are their strength. Uh, that is the one area that I thought they would really excel at this year, quite frankly. Um, I, I, I do think that's a bit of a surprise, I'm sure, to even Billy Guerin. It's his first year. He doesn't know the players that well. He's still evaluating. But I'm sure his thoughts would have been that, well, at least we've got a really good top four. And we know if nothing, if we have trouble scoring, because that's what was identified as one of the problem areas, we'll still be able to defend. And the fact of the matter is that if you can defend well in this league, it's better than if you can score a lot. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, just take a look at the Toronto Maple Leafs versus a team like the Boston Bruins that 
really defend exceptionally and how their records are right now, and that's all you need to know. Is there anything the Wild can build off of from Wednesday? I mean, they blow the 3-0 lead. I mean, that game Tuesday in Dallas was the ultimate head-scratcher, but then they come back 24 hours later, national television. They play relatively well, maybe one of their better games of the year, but they end up losing, but one-goal game. Is there something they can build off of Wednesday, responding the way they did after that debacle on Tuesday? I think there is. I mean, you've got to take the positives wherever you can find them when things aren't going well. I mean, it's a pretty small sample size for the team, so it's easy to be doom and gloom. The fact of the matter is it's, uh, what, 14 games, 13 games at this stage. There's a lot of runway left, but in the short term, you're just looking for anything to feel good about yourselves. Obviously, I've been a general manager in this league, but also a player, and I've been through it many times. Um, playing in the NHL is a little bit like the weather in New England. Just wait a minute and it'll change. <laughs> and I would strongly suggest that the play will have a, a significant uptick in the short term here for the Minnesota Wild. Um, I think psychologically, though, you really have to get over the dauntingness of their schedule and the fact that that's going to continue for a little bit longer here as well. How do you evaluate Brian? We're talking about Brian Lawton. How do you evaluate Brian the minutes distribution, the way that Bruce Boudreaux plays guys, you know, in terms of minutes. I mean, I was looking. I mean, Jason Zucker, five-on-five, five, is the top forward. But then you look at, like, the least forward in terms of ice time. I don't remember who it is. But the discrepancy isn't that wide. Like, you look at other teams, their top forwards play significantly more minutes than the bottom six forwards. But here with Boudreaux, he distributes his minutes pretty evenly. How do you evaluate that? Uh, I'm a big believer in you need four lines now to be successful in the league. We know so much more about sports science and the condition of our athletes that it just it's a much better strategy to utilize everybody, and particularly for a team like the Minnesota Wild. I mean, they're not top-heavy. There's nobody that's running away right now in terms of talent level on that team where you just have to have them on the ice. It's a little bit of the chicken and the egg. Play me more and I'll play better play better and I'll play you more. I've had those discussions as a player and as a GM with <laughs> players. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, this is just the normal cycle of the league. But ultimately, I am sure that Bruce Woodrow is looking for some players to step up to give him a reason to have them on the ice, t- ice a lot more than some of the other players. It really hasn't happened. You know, nobody's put together a real consistent run yet. That will change. You will see that shake out. And for the most part, I do think that Bruce has defaulted to the veteran players. That's what you should do when you're not winning. But if they don't start to win, you'll see that flip around the other way, kind of like it was last year towards the end of the season for them when Joel Erickson, Greenway, Donato, Cunning, these guys were playing a lot more minutes and they were kind of leading the charge, albeit a little bit too little too late. But that is what I think will happen if the Wild don't start to win soon here more consistently. Who is their best forward? I mean, that's a debate you can have, right? I mean, is it Zucker? Is it Stahl? Is it Parisi? I mean, you look at Parisi, Brian. I mean, three goals. One went off his butt. One was an empty netter. So really, truly, only one true goal for Zach Parisi. So, I mean, I struggle. I mean, I look at their forwards, and I'm trying to figure out who is their best forward. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at past history, then yes, uh, Zach Parise has an incredibly rich past history. So does Eric Stahl. Uh, Jason Zucker has shown in spurts that he can be a dynamic player. 
Um, you know, but who is their best forward right now? I think it's undetermined. I don't think anybody's grabbed it. I think that's what they're looking for. Somebody to jump up and kind of grab this team and say, jump on my back, fellas. That hasn't happened yet. Um, I don't know if it'll happen for them at all this year, but I do know that there are guys capable of playing much better on that team and that you haven't seen their best yet. And the toughest thing for Billy Guerin is to just kind of, you know, not panic. Um, which he won't. He's been around this game forever. He knows what he's doing, and he'll do a good job. But uh, you, you really want someone to step up. Bruce Boudreau is the guy, I'm sure, that, you know, this is this is really tough. He's in the last year of his contract. He knows what's at stake. You got a new GM you want to show well. Uh, it just hasn't been the start, obviously, that the, that the players imagined or the coaching staff or the management, for that matter. In your playing days or your managing days, ever been in a situation where the coach was in the final year of his contract? And, you know, I mean, I guess a little bit more on that. I mean, how difficult of a situation is that, do you think, for Bruce Boudreaux? Uh, I think it's a very difficult situation. Um, and yet I do believe that is probably what I would have done if I was the general manager. Uh, last year the team took a bit of a step back. The existing general manager gets let go new general manager comes in you look at Bruce Pedro he's had a really rich history of winning games in the regular season I know he hasn't done it to the level that he would like in the playoffs but you know there's always two sides of the coin if you're going to make a move and let somebody know who you're going to bring in that you feel is going to change the fortune so quickly and I would strongly suggest there's not a lot of guys out there with a bigger resume than Bruce Pedro so I can understand how he comes back and also doesn't get a new deal, even though that is a little bit unusual, but the circumstances, in my opinion, dictate that. Bruce knows it. He understands it. Uh, this sucks really tough for him personally to start this way. I appreciate your openness on what you would have done if you were in that general manager's chair. I mean, you were in the mix. I mean, do you think about what could have been? Do you do you think about much, you know, the process in which, you know, Bill Guerin ultimately got the job, but you were part of that process? Not really. I mean, I know Bill. I knew all the candidates. They're all good guys. They're all incredibly capable. Um, you know, there's no right or wrong answer to these things. It, it, having been a general manager before, it's, you know, it's a much about connection. There's no, and I think Craig actually did a really great job this time around interviewing people and putting them through the ringer more. I certainly felt that he treated me very fairly. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, though, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a test where 4 plus 4 equals 8 and you got the right answer. There's a lot of feel to it. It's instinctual. Um, there were, in my opinion, at least three or four guys that could do a great job for the Minnesota Wild. Billy Garrett ultimately was one of those people. So I know it's a tough start, um, but Billy just got here. And you got to give them some time. I think the fans got to give them some time, and they will. And uh, things will be on the upswing for the Minnesota Wild. Do you buy the report from the Ottawa Sun like five, six, seven days ago that Bill is is gauging the market on some of his younger forwards, the Fialas, the Donatos of the world? Uh, I did put a call into Bruce Garriock. I haven't heard back from him. He's generally very good on his information. He was the person that put that out. That doesn't mean it's true. Um, without knowing if it is or isn't, it wouldn't surprise me when your team starts off the way the Wild have, then there's a lot of things that are going to come into play quickly. You're going to want to look at every option 
I worked with Tom Curvers, who's on the management staff there. Mm-hmm. He's a very astute guy. Um, I haven't worked with Bill before, so I can't speak to, to what that's his MO, but I know Tom Curvers would have very much wanted to say, look, we got to look at everything. That's just the way he analyzes things, and he's very good. So I, I can't say I was surprised to read any of that. I doubt if you pulled any of the players that's names were on that list, if they'd be surprised, it's part of the business. It's a lot harder to make trades than people think. Um, I don't like when names get out there, but I've had it happen to me in the past, and it's tough to control because you have to obviously have discussions with other people. And a lot of times what happens, in my opinion, is you have a discussion with somebody else and they're not really interested, and they tend to talk about it. That's the unfortunate side of the business. I'll let you go after this, Brian. Give Wild fans reasons for optimism. And maybe it's not the rest of this year, but maybe it's looking at next year, whether the the Russian prospect, is it Kaprasov will be here, looking at the Wild's prospect pool overall. I mean, I guess, what what are some of the reasons for Wild fans to be optimistic looking long term? Well, on a micro level, yes, you can look at Kirill Kaprasov, and he should be here next year. Um, there's other players, I think, that have a lot of growth, some of them on the roster, some not here yet. But more than anything, you know, the, the Wild is coming into some flexibility with their salary cap, and I know there's some long-term contracts that everybody focuses on, but the fact of the matter is Miko Koivu's contract will be expiring. There's some other players that are in their last year or two that is incredibly valuable right now. There was a change last year in the league, in my opinion, where, you know, the St. Louis Blues were a team that made the playoffs like six of the last seven years. They finally break through and win the cup, but they didn't do it that traditional way, the way that all the teams that had won the majority of the cups in the previous 10 years had. I'm talking about Chicago with a couple of top three picks. I'm talking about Pittsburgh, top three picks even L.A. to a degree. I mean, those teams won eight cups. I think it's more wide open now is what I'm trying to say in a long-winded answer, and I'll wrap it up. But uh, you can turn your team on a dime. You've got to be aggressive management-wise. You've got to understand the cap. You've got to be really good at predicting where you think it'll go. And if you are right in those things, you could really take advantage. The Minnesota Wild, in my opinion, they still have a lot, a lot of opportunity in the future. And I wouldn't even count this year off as unbelievable as that sounds i would not write this season off there's absolutely still a chance for this team to write the ship for their players to come through for that decor to be as strong as we think it can be um for boost woodrow to prove to be the coach that his record says he is so uh it's tough when in these dark hours it's tough to be positive but uh, i i can tell you having talked to some of the folks over there They've got a pretty balanced view of what's going on right now, and there's no panic. Brian, great stuff. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure. Follow Brian on Twitter at BrianLawton9. Brian Lawton resides here in town, NHL network analyst, former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, former NHL player. We appreciate his insight. When we come back, we shift topics to the NBA. We talk Wolves with David Thorpe of True. Welcome back, Scoop Podcast faithful. We transition from the NHL to the NBA. He's been on the podcast many, many times going back multiple years. We love his analysis. It is David Thorpe from True Hoop, 
TrueHoop.com. David is also active on social media. David is a longtime NBA skills trainer, has trained the likes of Kevin Martin, Corey Brewer, many other players. Omri Caspi comes to mind as well. He's got a lot of guys. So when he says, that's my guy, he's not lying. He's got a lot of guys. He's got a lot of contacts in the league. So let's bring him into the conversation to get his national view thoughts of the Wolves through these first few games and on what we saw on Wednesday night with the brouhaha between Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid. David, let's start with what everybody, not everybody, I mean, I guess the number one topic here in town right now today on Friday is Vikings Chief setting into Sunday. But the number two talker is from Wednesday night. It's still a heck of a talker here in town, the fallout from the Sixers and Wolves, brouhaha for lack of a better term, Carl Anthony Towns getting two games, suspension-wise, Joel Embiid getting two games, Ben Simmons not getting any games, Jeff Teague not getting any games. I mean, do you support the NBA's decision? There's a lot of people with the Wolves, David, that are upset that they feel like Embiid should have gotten more games, that you know, he baited Towns into the fight, then the way he walked off the court, then the social media barbs, that they felt like Embiid should have gotten more games, and they felt like Ben Simmons, for putting Towns in a chokehold, should have gotten at least one game. So I know some Wolves people are seriously pissed off. I guess, how do you how do you view the situation? So, well, first of all, going into the game, we, we all kind of saw this coming. I actually wrote an article uh, that I tweeted about the night before because I said, this is the game of the night. I'm just going to focus on these two guys. And I didn't expect them to fight, but I can't say it was a big surprise. I think that um, Embiid kind of has it in for Towns for reasons we could speculate on. Towns obviously is a really amazing, uh, has really amazing potential and had shown a very good first week anyway of, of that potential, at least on the defensive side. We always knew what he was in offense. And, yeah, I think you're right. I think Embiid absolutely baited Towns uh, from the very first uh, – few minutes of the game, I think with nine nine minutes and 13 seconds left in the first quarter, Embiid slammed into Towns a few times on a post-up. Towns stripped him. Embiid got the ball back. Towns probably fouled him on the shot. Embiid missed the shot. I was amazed there wasn't an offensive foul call, but Towns didn't fall down. He it was almost like he wanted to stand his ground. I, and, and I wrote about this as well, that I had heard that Embiid told people over the years that Towns are I did have an NBA player tell me that. Turns out he's actually written that on social media. I don't really follow. I don't follow any players on social media, so mm-hmm. uh, it's not a secret. And so I think it's true that he baited them. And uh, I think that I've got 18-year-old twins, and if one of my twins got in a fight because they were baited into it by the other person, and not the other twin, but another person, I'd be super mad at my kids. Like, grow the hell up, quit fighting back. You do it within the context of the game. And Towns should have just not done what he did if he didn't want the two-game suspension. I, I don't. I agree with you. I do agree with, and maybe Minnesota fans too, regarding the Embiid social media stuff. I don't think that's. I don't think the NBA wants to get in the business of policing their players' social media accounts, but they might have to. It's not a good look. I, I didn't know about this. I don't really follow players. Like I said, I didn't realize until today that Embiid had been doing this and is still doing it. And I think that has to stop. Uh, and who knows, but I bet this isn't the end of it. We're going to hear more about these barbs on social media between players. It's not what they want. Uh, and on the Ben Simmons situation, I, I don't at all agree that he should have been suspended. Uh, I did uh, while I watched it live. I I did think that looks like a chokehold to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I nothing about MMF or anything, but. I also have some experience with really, really large men who are angry. I've been coaching for over three decades. <laughs> and I know for a fact that if you want to keep a man as large and angry as Towns was down, 
that's what you have to do. My understanding is they're actually friends. Uh, I think I don't think Simmons has an issue with anyone that I know of. Towns only has an issue maybe with Embiid. And I think I think Simmons just trying to save his own life in a sense. Like, hey, big fella, just stay right here and let's end it. So I, I, I actually thought it was fine. I think Minnesota Minnesota fans should worry more about Minnesota players and where and where they have to get better at. Uh, it, this start is a is a mirage. If things don't get better, uh, three and one could easily be four and eleven if they're not careful. Uh, that's what I focus on. I wouldn't. Embiid is not the story. You don't play him again on March twenty fourth. Where do they need to get better? Then I mean, heck, I mean, if you had told me two weeks ago, you know, the Vegas over under David was I think thirty five and a half wins for the Wolves, yeah. I would have told you under. I still think I might go under even after this this start. I, I think I would. I don't think they're getting the thirty five victories. So I guess where do they need to get better to avoid falling into as you laid out a four and eleven pitfall? Everywhere, yeah, everywhere uh, except for center. <laughs> I, I'm glad Town stood up to Embiid. I don't, I don't love the fight part, but I'm, I'm so glad am I. he didn't. Yeah. It would not have been a flop when Embiid smashed it. Actually, both both of his first two touches, Embiid smashed into Town, mm-hmm. and Town stood firm. I, I think he made a mistake. I, Draymond Green is not soft. He definitely takes the charge there I, I, because it was that violent a collision. And I think the referees probably should have called it and maybe would have avoided a fight had they called it a little tighter. They'll make that change, I bet, the next time. But I, I worry. I, I like I like the spirit of the team. I like what Teak said after the game about Towns and how he's he's not going to take it anymore. But right now it's still a, a one player team. Although I love Covington. Um, I, they, Teak played fine. The team can't shoot right now. But it's not fair to say they won't be a good shooting team after four games. Uh, Wiggins, who, who I I'm going to go down on Wiggins Island, but I was a huge fan of his for a long, long time. I know you, Sam. And it just, it's not happening. Uh, uh, the, the, the fourth quarter was full of gold also. Uh, he made threes. Well, if, if he could do that in most games, well, great. Then he'd step Curry at six foot eight. But <laughs> normally he doesn't do that. Correct. He, he shows the glimpses. He gets the deep. I wrote about this uh, yesterday. He gets a deep post up. Actually, I think I tweeted about it where he posted up within five seconds of the clock against uh, Tyler Hero when they played Miami a couple games ago and scored within seven seconds of the clock. That was great. But we don't see that enough. I don't see a, a, a real dedication defensively. They have a lot of time to figure that part out. I would argue the two things they've got to do a job of is the coach has got to play better collectively, defensively, which I think is possible. And they've got to be, you know, a, a plus shooting team, meaning top 15 in the league or so shooting. That is not something the coaches can do necessarily. It comes with talents and, and, and then of course their system has to get them open shots. And it's too early to know if that's happening a lot yet. I mean, I think the system can eventually work. I don't think they have the personnel to be an upper half yeah. shooting team. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think you might be right. That's what I'm saying. We, it, it, I think their coaches are good, and uh, I like their head coach. And when you have a guy like Towns, he, he just can't be guarded one-on-one. Um, so part of the reason why I said it's fool's gold is they were, they were 3-0, and and I think Towns is leading the league in three-pointers made per game at 15, five per game. Uh, that's not going to continue, but he still might make a lot. And so you're, you're going to have to send some resources to him unless effectively you just feel like, well, we're going to let him get 30 a night, which is where he was at before he, before he got suspended and ejected from the game, rather, uh, and just try to keep everyone else down. And, yeah, personnel-wise, I mean, they, they have a new GM. He just got there. You, you know, give, him a, give him at least a year to try to reshape the roster. But I, I just think they're missing something. And, again, they're 3-1. and one. But I, I don't like you like you said, I don't trust that they're gonna get 
total hotter wins without some dramatic changes or just better play. On the new GM, are you a fan of Gerson Rosas? I am. I've, I've known him a long time. Honestly, I, it's not there for me to say I think he's, he's going to be a great GM. He's a really good guy. Uh, he's, he's from some really smart cultures that he was a big part of. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a good kid about the people and, and knows how the game works and all of that. Uh, he's probably in a better position than any, anyone you've had in the past there. Uh, but they're, de- they're dealing with some holes, and when you're paying Wiggins what you're paying him, you just have to get something for him. He's just way below that what they, what they need from him for that dollar amount. I mean, what do you do then? I mean, he's got multiple years left, David, at you know absurd money. I mean, I guess just try to shop him and take back somebody else's absurd contract just to move on from him? Well, or you have to give a pick for that, and I, I, they're not going to want to do that. Um, you, yeah, you got to keep you got to keep calling every team, hoping someone is willing to take the flyers. And and you might you might find a team that's got a good culture that feels like we can really resurrect them uh, uh, and get them where he can be. And and uh, you, you can't leave any stone unturned. It, it's it's such an anchor to their future having him be a below average player for that kind of money. Uh, he, he shouldn't. There's no he has no excuse. He he literally has no excuse not to be. Uh, borderline all-star at the very least, and it's just not close to it right now. This looks like it has a chance to be a really good rookie class. Have you seen enough of Jarrett Culver to formulate any thoughts, any opinions? And I guess maybe what did you think of Jarrett Culver pre-draft? But, I mean, you look at some guys, David, that went after him, whether it's you know White in Chicago, Hachimura in Washington, P.J. Washington, Alexander Walker in New Orleans. I mean, it looks like there's a bunch of good players that went after him. So I'm wondering, I mean, they gave up Dario Saric, who could be helping them right now, and I get it. Yeah. They didn't want to pay him long-term, but Dario Saric would be helping the Wolves right now. They don't have to invest money. They didn't have to make a decision until next summer. So they gave up Saric to move up to get Culver when they could have stayed where they were and gotten a pretty good player. Saric is good and ha- has been for quite a while. I don't, I don't really know all the details as to what the thinking was there. Um, I saw Culver play in college. I've not watched him as closely, uh, you know, with his NBA team. Um, it's, it's hard for players to be good at, uh, uh, his age. He's going to be 20 years old. He won't be 21, I think, until 2020, 2020. Um, he's, uh, he's in a tough position. And yeah, and what makes it worse is there's some rookies. Uh, the Miami's got two. Uh, the Nuggets. Yeah, hero. Who You're right. Yeah. Healy, yeah. Hero's the other. Uh, PJ played great, surprisingly, maybe even in Charlotte. There's a, there's a lot of guys, but I, I never worry about that. I, I've seen rookies have great starts, and then you never see that kind of level again. As teams kind of adjust to what you like to do best, you, know, you have to have a counter and then a second counter to that. Um, I'm not ready to say Cobra won't be able to make it. He, he looked like a hell of a player, but um, it's, it's a little bit peculiar because they are kind of in win now mode, and and you expect if you're if you're depending on a rookie. Uh, you're making a mistake. Miami is thrilled what they have. I don't know if that'll last. They don't know if it'll last. They didn't expect that coming in for sure. Uh, they, they didn't say to Jimmy Butler, hey, we got these two amazing rookies. Come play for us. Uh, you can't expect that we build a really great culture and an overall environment where Culver can, his talent, you know, he's got some talent. So he's got, it's got a chance to shine if you build the right culture, uh, regardless of what the record is. On the win-now mentality, I mean, it has to be that, right? I mean, when Towns' extension is now, it's it's alive. It's kicked in. I mean, the clock's ticking, right? I mean, David, that's the fear of a lot of Wolves fans, that, that it turns into an Anthony Davis situation here. Oh, 100%. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, there, there's no way it's not going to happen. 
players are not just going to allow themselves to spend their whole career in a garbage franchise. It's just the bottom line. Uh, there's no, nothing against the city and the weather. That, those are the reasons. Uh, plenty of athletes have enjoyed Minneapolis as a city and dealt with the weather just fine. Either the, either the franchise stinks or it doesn't. And if it, if it doesn't stink and they're moving in the right direction, there's an argument that he's going to stay. But the, the days of these guys staying forever are gone. Um, the whole key is to get ahead of it. So at some point, uh, guys like Gerson, you know, executives have to sit down with, with players and their agents and say, you know, what's your, what's your 12-month outlook here? Where do we have to get to? Because what we don't want is to be held hostage behind the scenes. If, you, if, it's, if, you're, if, no, if we have to get to the finals or else, we'll argue with you about that. But if that's what you're saying, then we're going to do a deal uh, now. Where do you want to go? Because that team's going to know you're going to re-sign with them. But yeah, you can't you can't be held hostage anymore. I thought I thought back in the Carmelo Anthony days with, with him in Denver with Masai with the GM there, and uh, you know Boss leaving Toronto. Uh, and I thought those days are gone of uh, of teams holding on to a player getting nothing in return. But they're not. It still happens. But now that we have players announcing at this time what they want to do. You, you just can't be caught holding, you know, it's almost like musical chairs. You can't be caught with that chair if he's not going to be happy. So who would be a good tag team partner? I mean, I guess within those conversations you would say, hey, Carl, who would you like to play with? Who realistically can we trade for or somehow acquire that you would like to play with? You know, I guess from a tag team partner standpoint, I mean, is it D'Angelo Russell? I mean, I guess who stands out to you? What sort of player or what player in particular, David, makes some sense to pair next to Carl Anthony Towns? Well... There, there is no one that can't. I mean, when you, when you, when you have that elite of a player, you, you get the luxury of being able to focus on uh, almost anything else. So as an example, as I said, it, you know, he's probably at best going to be uh, a, a average to a, just above average defender, more or less, just his, for different reasons that it would take a long time to explain. But, um, and maybe he could be a little bit better than that if, with the, in a great system. But because of what he does offensively, where he can score from anywhere uh, efficiently, too, you just have to find a defensive monster to play next to him. So uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a shot blocker. That would be great if it was. You know, some kind of power forward that, that made plays above the rim was super athletic. He doesn't have to be super skilled because he's super skilled. Right? He, he'll stretch the defense. You don't have to get another guy to stretch the defense. If you can find that, great, but you don't have to have that. So I think that um, – it, it, it's the longest list possible. I, I tell you this, there's no way Gerson is, is thinking, oh, this guy doesn't fit or this guy doesn't fit, because everybody fits his talent. Everyone fits his talent. You just have to, you have to get the right deal. To, uh, I, I happen to think it'd be smart to play fast. I haven't looked at their pace, uh, where they are right now. I haven't looked at it, but, uh, and it doesn't matter over, over five games or four games, but uh, I think to wait for Towns offensively every time is a mistake. Because uh, you want to build a team that can score, that doesn't have to rely on him being the playmaker to, to get the bucket, knowing that you always have him. So I like, I like the team to play fast. Uh, and so you want to have a point guard that pushes it. You obviously got to be able to rebound, although he's, he's becoming a very good rebounder, which is important. Um, it's a long list, man. I mean, and I could even argue, you know, someone like a Kevin Love, uh, just because I know he's going to be available. He's way better than anyone you have at that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got years left to go. Obviously, he's got a Minnesota history. I have no idea what he wants to do. But um, he's not ideal because you'd like to get a, a, maybe a better shot blocker, although Carlton Towns going into the NBA game was, uh, I think, tied for 10th in the league in block shots. Uh, he's a great space theater. He, he can get your break going. He can dominate the glass. 
He really knows how to play. And that's something that I would stress more than anything probably is knowing how to play, getting guys that really understand the game with that happy experience. I think that would be very smart to uh, to partner with Anthony Towns, who hasn't played a lot of those kinds of guys, Covington maybe being one of the exceptions. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of guys they can look at. I mean, what about D'Angelo Russell? I mean, again, disclaimer, I mean, it's it's a small sample size, but it's not a good start for him or the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I think it's a matter of when, not if, that the Warriors end up shopping him. We know that the Wolves pursued Russell in the summer. I mean, I'm positive that the Wolves are going to have interest or still have interest to this date in D'Angelo Russell. I mean, do you like the idea of, of maybe Russell eventually landing here, depending on what the cost is? The qualifier you just said is important, right? What, what is the cost? Obviously, you're thinking it wouldn't be count. <laughs> that, would be, that would defeat the purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm a fan of D'Angelo Russell. And uh, uh, you're talking about a guy that'll be 23 almost the entire year. Um, he's not the problem in Golden State. Their, their problem is they, they, the management put together a G League team. That's, all, that's, what, that's what it is. If you take out D'Angelo and Steph Curry and Draymond, and then you consider that Willie Cauley-Stein and Kevon Looney, and then to a lesser extent Alec Burks, who's a veteran, but he's not a G League player, he, they've been out with injuries, except that Looney played a few minutes the first game. It's a G League team. It's a G League team that wouldn't even come close to winning the G League. Uh, this, this, these, these, they're, they're not an NBA team after the, that group, including those injured guys. So I don't care who you put there. Because by the way, they have Steph Curry. He's not looking so good. You, you, I, I, I use the example all the time. Many years ago, I used to let my, my pros play pick up in the afternoon. I don't anymore, but I used to. And I was training a kid getting ready for college because uh, he was a local kid that I really liked. He was going to the single worst Division One college in the country that next year. North Florida back then was ranked dead last. In fact, I think it was a first-year Division One team. And he had signed a scholarship. There's like a six-seven. Pretty athletic kid that that, that that was a low D1 uh, recruit. He played pickup every afternoon with our pros, and he looked like a pro. 18 years old, dunking everything, tip dunks, flying all over the place, making threes. He looked amazing. But we also had a bunch of college kids that I wasn't really in charge of developing. And uh, on occasion, I would go watch those kids play. These are all kids going to, I, mean, I think it was, this is IMG back when I used to run my programs there. We're talking about a lot of mid to high major players in that. And we would put Justin, his name is Justin Cecil, we put him with the college kids. He stunk. He was terrible. He looked just like you'd think he would look like a high school kid who hadn't even started his D1 career and he was going to the worst D1 school of all. He couldn't play. Playing with pros makes all the difference in the world. Playing with guys that know timing and when to cut, when to pass, when to move, uh, the speed at which you're supposed to do it, all of that. Uh, right now the Warriors are stuck with a bunch of guys that are clueless. And I think Towns would play with some of those similar kind of guys. So that's the, so the NFL would fit great there. I don't think Golden State can trade him anytime soon. Um, but like I said, there's no, there's no short, short, anyone can play. If you can't play with Carl Towns, you can't play NBA basketball. He's that talented of a player. It won't be hard for them to find partners. I'll leave you after this, David. Always appreciate your thoughts. Speaking of your guys, can you explain to me how Corey Brewer is not on an NBA roster right now? It's funny. I just got a call yesterday from, I, I, I won't go into details, but let's just say one of the top teams in the world that's not the NBA uh, asking the same question. What, like, what, what are we missing here? Uh, I, I, I hope he actually leaves America and goes to play for a bunch of money for an incredible team. Uh, I don't understand it. Uh, I, if he had gone into last year when he got picked up by Philly and then Sacramento and done poorly, 
uh, I would have said, you know what, something happened, he just can't play anymore. He did great in Philly, quickly became a starter there on a 10-day, and then he, and then Dave Yeager brought him off the bench in Sacramento, and he was terrific. He finished, I think, uh, they adjust their defense, ESPN adjust their defensive RPM rating. At the end of the season, he was fourth amongst all shooting guards. Your guy was first or second at Covington before he got hurt. Um, and then they adjust, but they adjusted over the, over the summer, and now it's, he's ranked third. So let's just, let's just say he's a top five shooting guard defensively, and I'm looking at these teams, including the Warriors, who could have had him on a minimum deal. The Kings, I, I, that's what killed them, is the Kings didn't bring him back, uh, which I thought was a fait accompli. I thought for sure they were, unless someone offered too much money. Um, it's shocking to me. But honestly, the NBA, this is how I've always felt. The NBA, as good as they are in a lot of ways, they, they miss a lot, a lot. I watch European games all the time. I was watching one this morning. On tape, I'm watching a one live in, in Spain in uh, two hours now, and I'll probably see three or four guys that should be in, in the NBA and, and aren't for different reasons. Corey, Corey's going to be on a team at some point. That I know this last year in Sacramento, Darren, um, I, got, I got word from the Kings themselves that he was making a huge impact in the play of people like Darren Fox and Marvin Bagley. His IQ is off the charts. People forget he's this magnetic personality and this great athlete. But the guy has played, he had a great high school coach. He played for Billy Donovan. He played for Rick Carlisle. I could, uh, Rick Adelman. I could go on and on, right? He played for so many mm-hmm. great coaches. He, he, George Carl told me, you know, talked all about his high IQ. And he's still pretty much the fastest guy in the league that has the hottest motor. Uh, he just, he, he just brings something to the table and he's so selfless. And that's why I thought for sure he'd go back to the Kings. He actually liked it there. And I know those young guys loved him. He, he's a source of, of knowledge, but he also is just easy to play with. I, I got a quote from, uh, from one of his teammates in the Sixers who they said, Ben Simmons always, always outruns everyone, but you're the first guy to get ahead of him uh, for hitting at passes. I, do, I don't understand it, but it's been this way for a long time with, you know, teams just kind of get – it's Shaq. It, it worked the other way for people like Shaq. Who, were, who was in the league five years longer than he should have been. <laughs> he had nothing to offer. Corey just got caught in one of those situations where he, he was, I mean, bottom line is he was on a terrible Lakers team. He took the buyout uh, a couple years ago to OKC, started 16 straight games in Oklahoma City, and did well with that group when they had come out and those guys. But they, they got beat in the playoffs because Donovan Mitchell went crazy, and that was that. Uh, if he didn't let himself get, if he didn't take the buyout, maybe things are different, but... Uh, he'll, he'll work out. He calls me literally every day right around this time, uh, which is 2 o'clock my time. And uh, he, I could, he's just leaving the gym. He puts in work every single day. When he gets the call, he'll be ready. It is baffling. David, thank you so much. At Coach Thorpe on Twitter, truehoop.com, David Thorpe. David, thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Darren. Love putting the quarter in the machine and just sitting back listening to David Thorpe break down the NBA, in this case, specifically the Wolves. When we come back, we'll catch up with Dorian Singer of Tartan High School, one of the best recruits that's uncommitted football-wise. He's also a really good basketball player, but we'll shine the spotlight on high school football. A couple basketball questions of Dorian Singer. Tartan playing tonight for a section championship. It is a busy, busy night on the high school football front as teams continue the march to the prep bowl Thanksgiving weekend, U.S. Bank Stadium. So we'll shine the spotlight on high school football for a little bit when we come back. Final 
segment time here on Scoop Podcast episode 263. Adam Thielen of the Vikings is listed as questionable for Sunday's game at Arrowhead against Kansas City. It'll come down to how he is doing pregame warm-ups, but I can just tell you those close to Adam have been planning all week to travel to Kansas City. The idea has been all week that Adam will play, but it's not going to be a real pleasant day on Sunday. Sometimes the hamstring can get tight, so depending on how he feels Sunday morning will be the final call, but the Vikings are planning as I sit here and talk on Friday night as if they will have Adam Thielen back on Sunday against Kansas City. Privately, some Vikings officials also are planning as if Matt Moore will be the quarterback for Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is listed as questionable. Who knows? Maybe he shocks us. I can't claim to have any Chiefs inside information on what they're thinking with Mahomes, but I can just tell you privately some Vikings folks anticipate that there is a better chance they face Matt Moore than Mahomes. Briefly on the Twins, because my clock management stinks, look for them to tender a qualifying offer to Jake Odorizzi. The deadline is Monday afternoon. I can't remember if it's noon or 4 o'clock. It's sometime on Monday. Monday afternoon is the deadline to tender free agents that you have a qualifying offer. Look for the Twins to tender one to Jake Odorizzi. I'm still digging on Michael Pineda. Is there a chance the Twins tender Michael Pineda? I will continue to dig on that, so you can always check my Twitter feed, shameless plug, D-Wolfs on KSTP if I hear something before the Monday deadline. All right, busy night of high school football. Tartan among teams playing tonight for a section championship. Class 5A is loaded. Some really good teams. Defending champ Owatonna is loaded again. St. Thomas Academy, led by Dan O'Brien, Casey O'Brien's dad, is really good. Tartan is really good, too. So are the Robbinsdale teams, Armstrong and Cooper. I'm telling you, so many good teams in 5A, including Tartan. Tartan has a dynamic wide receiver and defensive back. He is a junior. He is one of the top recruits in the state in the class of 2021. Riley Mallman of Lakeville South. The Wisconsin commit would be number one. Then Justice Sullivan, the linebacker from Eden Prairie, number two. But Singer slots in somewhere thereafter. He is getting some Big Ten attention. So let's catch up now with Dorian Singer. I was over at Tartan High School after they capped off an 8-0 regular season right before they won their opening playoff game against St. Paul Central to set up tonight's section final against Matamidi. Here is my conversation with Dorian Singer. Dorian, this is the first unbeaten regular season in Tartan school history. When I say that, what comes to your mind? I mean, how how gratifying, how special is that? It's very special just being the first team in Tartan history to go 8-0 and like accomplishing the stuff we did. We a conference title last year. We won our first section championship. It's really good. When did you know, okay, we can do something special, that this group of guys has a chance to, to really do something that's going to stand out? Since the summer, since June, we all in the weight room. We're in the weight room to this day, Monday, Wednesday. We have yoga, weight room Saturday after games. I just knew it right away. I mean, did that surprise you that there was so much of an all-in, buying-in factor? Mm, not really. I knew, like, the group of guys we have, we all just bought in as a team, like, since the first game. I see you putting up gaudy statistics, you know, certainly from a receiving standpoint. You're playing in the defensive backfield. I guess just describe what kind of player you are to us. I mean, I see the numbers, but describe the kind of player you are. Just a team player, like, whatever coach want me to do, I'll do it. Like, if you want me to kick the ball, well, I just love playing football. Coach even said, actually, you can throw the football a country mile, that during the summer yeah. there were some, some Division One type quarterbacks. I, I don't know where you're at, maybe a seven-on-seven seven deal or whatever. But, but yeah, but you were even chucking the ball a real far, far distance. Yeah, I won the competition at the Vikings seven-on-seven. Seven. It was um, Iowa State commit there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the young man, yeah, Bauman from, from Buffalo. So have you tried to convince Coach to play some quarterback then? Um, no, just whenever we put a special play in there. 
Where do you, I mean, do you excel more one or the other? I mean, is it more safety than cornerback? And then wide receiver, like is wide receiver your number one position or, or is it DB? It's pretty equal. Like there's a lot of stuff I can work on on both ends, but it's pretty equal. How about some of the college coaches that are reaching out though? Where do they maybe see you playing? Um, they said just keep doing both. They're looking at both. They say keep excelling on every end of the ball, and then they give me some pointers to do to excel better. And then on those college coaches, I mean, who, who I guess, is, who's showing interest right now in you? Um, the recent schools that I've talked to, I just came from Iowa, the Hawkeyes, on the 19th. I went to Minnesota on the 12th. I just got, I just talked to Iowa State, um, NDSU, UNI, well, the Badgers um, gave me a game day invite, SDSU, NIU, there's some schools, yeah. So, I mean, is there a sense that some offers maybe are are on the cusp of happening? Well, I mean, can't tell the future. Just keep doing what I'm doing. I really don't look into, like, the offers. If they text me, I'll say thank you and stuff. But I just like to play with my brothers right now. I mean, is that pretty cool, though, that you have? I mean, just even looking at the Big Ten schools, right? And no disrespect to NDSU or SDSU or, or any of those programs who are phenomenal. I mean, think about game day being at SDSU. But, you know, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, just how cool is that when, when you got Big Ten schools reaching out to you? It's pretty good. It feels good. Yeah. What stood out about your, your visit to, to Minnesota? Um, the thing that stood out to me was, like, when the coaches, like, just came up to talk to me. Like, when the, it was the, gen, the manager, he said, even though you're a football player, we're going to get you to a basketball game, too. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Are you a better football or basketball player? I really don't know. I just like to excel at both. Every day I'm working. Is the idea, though, that, that at the collegiate level that, that it might be football? It's possible. I got two basketball schools looking at me right now, so I really don't know, like, where that turn is. And, yeah, still football season. When basketball season comes, then we'll, like, see, like, where the interest is going. And then who are the, who are the two basketball schools? Um, Appalachian State and um, Kansas City, Missouri. You had a chance to connect with Gophers coach P.J. Fleck yet? Um, no, but, like, a month ago he followed me. I uh, contacted with the uh, wide receivers coach, Coach Simon. He said that we need to, I need to come back and we need to visit a little. And what about, I'll leave you after this, how was, how was the Iowa visit? It was really good. They have a great facility, the coaches. I spoke with the wide receivers coach. He said all the coaches love my film, and I just got to, the relationship is actually growing pretty big. Junior Dorian Singer from Tartan High School, great wide receiver, great defensive back. Tartan hosting Matamidi tonight for the section championship. Dorian has also established a relationship with Tyler Johnson of the Gophers. They've traded some social media messages. Singer looks up to Tyler Johnson. All right, we're up against the clock. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 263. I'll be back next week with some grand plans heading into Saturday. Gophers, Penn State, the Nittany Lions, a six and a half point favorite. Will Kamal Martin be back? Hey, what are the Gophers' chances that day? Unfortunately, Matt Weingrover agreed to come on the podcast. Then those above him said, no, yeah, you can't do that. So unfortunately, we won't be catching up with Matt, who is the run game coordinator and offensive line coach of the Nittany Lions. Yes, it is ridiculous. Don't even get me started on that. But Matt is A+. I'm happy that he said he'd come on. I just wish those above him understood that it's not that big of a deal. He's not going to share all sorts of weird secrets. Just ridiculous. So you know what? This is a good time for me to end the podcast before I go on some sort of tangent that maybe I would regret later on. Have a great weekend, everyone.